Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hello, my name is Marty Baker, and I want to welcome you to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're watching this service today. You know, we live in unprecedented times. You know, the most talked about subject, whether it's on social media, on the news, or in the conversation with, that you're having with someone, well, at least six feet apart, is how do we stop the spread of COVID-19? It's the most contagious virus that we have seen in years. In fact, I would argue that the only thing that's more contagious than this virus is the fear that's impacting lives all over the world. There are a lot of reasons that people are afraid. I mean, the stock market, it's like a roller coaster. It is up one day and down the next. Our schools are closed, businesses are closed, and some of them are even shutting down. For now, churches have stopped having public services. And there's this global shortage of toilet paper. I mean, Patty and I have scratched our heads on this one and said, really? Really? Toilet paper? But it's serious. You know, for those of you who are older or have compromised immune systems, like some of my relatives, this threat is very, very real. But on top of all the health challenges, we have other issues as well. Many of you may not be working as much as you have before, or maybe not at all. So there's economic hurdles that we've got to jump over as a nation and as a people. It's scary, and this has caused us a lot of fear, and that fear is contagious. During this season, Patty and I have read from Psalm chapter 91 nearly every day. Listen to a couple of verses from Psalm 91. It says, If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, and no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. God is going to take care of you. We're going to get through this. With God's help, you can get out of the situation that you're in. Now, that reminds me of a story about a guy who was out jogging one night. He was going down the road in the dark, and he decided to take this shortcut through the cemetery. Now, to his surprise, uh, there was a freshly dug grave there. He tripped, and he fell into the hold. It was so deep that he couldn't get out. He tried jumping out. He tried climbing out. He called for help, but nobody could hear him. Finally, he said, I'm just stuck here until somebody comes to get me out in the morning. And then he crawled up in the corner and he dozed off. Now sometime later, another jogger came into the cemetery and fell in the same hole. And this guy started jumping. This guy tried to get out. And all of a sudden, he felt a hand on his shoulder. And he heard a voice say, it's hopeless. You can't get out of here. But he did. <laughs> You know, sometimes we go through circumstances in life that we think, I can't get out of this one, but you can. Maybe you've helped, felt hopeless before. 
I think we've all been there, no matter how dark and desperate our situations may seem. Here's what I know. God can bring hope. I believe that you can move forward, even in the midst of this crisis. You know, COVID-19 is a crisis, but you may be dealing with something a lot more personal than that. Maybe you're dealing with a diagnosis, maybe a job loss, maybe a foster home, maybe a traumatic injury. Maybe you're going through the pains of a divorce. You can just fill in the blank. Could it be that you've been traveling down this rough and this rocky road, and this road can be described as a road of disappointment. It's a road of broken dreams. It may be a road of disillusionment. It was a road very much like the road that two of the followers of Jesus were walking down toward the village of Emmaus. These two folks had the hope knocked right out of them. They'd left their family, they'd left their careers, and literally everything to follow Jesus. They thought that he was going to set up an, a great earthly kingdom and free them from the Roman oppression. But it didn't work out like they had hoped. We open up the pages of the Bible to Luke chapter 24. At this point in the story, Jesus is dead and their hope, the disciples' hope, had died with them. We pick it up in, in verse 13. It says, now the same day, two of them going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now, what do we know about these two people? We know they were on the team. We know that they were followers of Jesus. In a moment, in a few verses down, we're going to read that one of them was named Cleopas or Clopas. Now, what do we know about Clopas? Now, in the Gospel of John, we read that one of the women at the cross was Mary, the wife of Clopas. She was present when Jesus was crucified. We see this in John 19. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, a great Bible scholar, Tom Wright, has written on this particular story, and he says that most likely this married couple, Clopas and Mary, were the two people on the road to Emmaus. And as they were walking, they were trying to come to grips with what had happened. Actually, one of the words Luke uses <clears throat> is that they were disputing with each other. So there could have been some tension there. Like I said, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, was present when Jesus died, but there's no record of Clopas being there in that moment. And maybe that's why there's tension. They're trying to figure out uh, what has happened. Now, some of you have been there. You know, you, you're supposed to meet your wife somewhere, and for whatever reason, you just didn't show up. And as a result of not showing up, there was tension when you did uh, connect together. Here they're on the road to Emmaus. Can you imagine that their conversation may be something like this? Now, Clopas, where were you? I mean, I needed you. 
I mean, I couldn't believe that you were not there. I mean, what could have possibly been more important? Needless to say, it was a stressful time in, in the life of all the followers of Jesus. And just possibly, Cleopas's absence may have added to the tension. As they're trying to figure out what happened, a, a stranger comes up. Now remember, they're walking alongside the road to Emmaus, and a stranger comes up and walks alongside of them, but they didn't recognize this stranger. In Luke chapter 24, it says, As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and, and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now we, the readers, we know exactly who it is, but they didn't. They're in the dark. For some time, we don't know how long, but for some time, this stranger just walks next to them. And maybe they're so engrossed in their conversation, they don't even notice. But eventually, he asks, what are you discussing together as you walk along? This question kind of stuns them. It stops them in their tracks. And in verse 17... The Bible says that they stood there with their faces downcast. Look at the next verse, verse 18. It said, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now that's a pretty strong question. Now if you had a meter to measure politeness, where would this rate, uh, this question on the politeness meter? I mean, you know, really, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? It's like, have you been living under a rock? Do you not pay attention to anything at all? At this point, the stranger could have responded in the same manner. Well, yes, actually, I've heard of Jesus. <laughs> I am Jesus. I was there at the cross. I was at the tomb. Where were you, Cleopas? What could have been possibly been more important than that? But Jesus doesn't say any of those things. He's very polite. Next verse says, what things, he asked. He said, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Notice the next verse, verse 21. They said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now notice those words, but we had hoped. My guess is that there's not one of you watching this service today that has not at one time or another said a phrase similar to that. But I had hoped the company's downsizing wouldn't affect me. But I'd hoped that my son or my daughter was finally growing up and finally getting their act together, finally getting over that addiction. But I'd hoped to be married by now, to have children by now, but it hadn't happened. But I'd hoped we'd seen the last of cancer in our family. I'd hoped that we'd have another child by now. I'd hoped... Um, uh, that when we said those words, till death do us part, that our marriage would be forever. 
I'd hope that when we moved to Augusta or wherever you live, that, that it was going to be the best days ahead for us. I'd hoped one thing, but you know, in reality, it just didn't happen. I wanted this, but it turned out differently than I'd planned. Verse 21, they said, but we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. This couple, this couple on the road to Emmaus, they were despondent. They were emotionally down and their hope was gone. What they didn't realize was that the genuine hope was right there with them. Jesus was there. Jesus is our hope. Here's the point I want you to understand. Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. I want to say that again. Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. It's the hope that this virus is going to stop spreading it's the hope that our economy will rebound. It's the hope that God will bring something good out of this dark season that we're in. Now back to the story. At this point in their journey, they were, uh, they were nearing the place where they would turn onto the path towards their house. Now as they did this, they offered the stranger a place to stay for the night. And this was something very common in those days. We pick it up in verse 28. Now, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And once they were settled in their house, they got something to eat. Now down to verse 30. When he sat at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I see two things in these verses that speak to us. First of all, do you know when they finally realized who this stranger was? It was when they slowed down. Hear me. It was when they slowed down. Here's the point. God is never too busy to listen. Don't be too busy to talk to him. This couple slowed down long enough to have a conversation and then invited him into their home. Over the last several weeks, most of us have slowed down. We have sheltered in place. This has been a terrible season in our nation's history. But I believe that God can turn this test into a testimony. And we need to do like Clopas and Mary did. We need to invite Jesus into our homes. God has given us a unique opportunity to, re to reconnect with our families and our faith. Leading up to this shelter in place, many of you were living without margin in your life. You're running here and you are running there and doing uh, things that you enjoy, but you were burning the candle at both ends. And as a result of that, your pace pushed God out of the picture. You just simply did not have time for God. One of the best gifts that you can give yourself is the time 
alone with God. Let me say that again. One of the best gifts that you can give yourself is time alone with God. When was the last time that you spent any time in prayer? When was the last time you read your Bible? Now, the governor has asked us to slow down, to shelter in place. I am asking you to give yourself time alone with God. When this couple slowed down, a second thing happened. Their eyes were open. Notice at verse 31. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At this moment, they realized that they were not alone, but God was with them. And that's what I want for you. I want you to recognize that God is here for you. These two people on the road to Emmaus had given up hope. And they didn't realize that hope was right in front of them. And some of you are just like that. Jesus, our blessed hope, is right here. He is right here in front of you. And it is time to turn your life over to the leadership and the love of Jesus Christ. It's time to put your faith, your belief in Christ. It's time for you to put your hand in God's hand. I really believe that God is here to help you. And I believe that He is here to give you hope. Hope for today and hope for tomorrow. When you think about hope for tomorrow, have you ever considered that we're going to live much longer in eternity than we will on this side? Now, years ago, I read two books written by Bob Buford. One of them was called Halftime, and the other one was called Game Plan. In these books, he tells a story about his son, Ross. His son, Ross, was tragically killed in a drowning accident in the Rio Grande River. Now, Bob grieved and grieved over the loss of his 21-year-old son. You can imagine how hard that would be. One day in prayer, he just felt like God told him, now, Bob, I want you to draw a line on a piece of paper. And so Bob took a pencil out and drew a line on a piece of paper. And God said, I want you to write a number, the largest number that you can think of below that line. And Bob wrote a one with all kinds of zeros across the page. Now, God said, now, on top of that line, I want you to write the number 21. His son was 21 years old. Now, look at that, Bob. You've only spent 21 one trillionths of the time you're going to spend together with Ross. You see, in Christ, we have hope of a better tomorrow. And you may be like Bob, going through a very tough time, a time of grieving, a time of loss. But I'm telling you, God is working to make all things new. God is here to bring hope, to reestablish hope, to point you in a, a, a direction of uh, healing. You see, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of living together forever with God. Now, I don't know what heaven will be like, but I know this. I want to go there. In John chapter 14 and verse 2, and Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. When did he say that? Well, about 2,000 years ago, right? Let's do the math. If it took him six days to create this magnificent world, and he's been working on our place for 2,000 years already, what do you think that place is going to be like? Oh, I think it's going to be incredible. In fact, the biblical writers couldn't even describe it. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's going to be a place that is just incomparable. No sickness, no wars, no racism, no hatred, not a hint of evil in the whole place. You can throw away your watches, your cell phones, and your handkerchiefs. It's going to be a place that's free from disease, free from pain, free from death. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You know what I know? That some of you live every day with physical pain. It's a struggle. But there's coming a day that your body will be pain-free. There's coming a day when your body will be flexible. It'll be quick. It'll be perfect. There'll be no dentures, no fat grams, no glasses, no hearing aids, no wheelchairs, no artificial limbs, no arthritis. Oh, it's going to be a great day. Some of you live with emotional pain, and you live with emotional pain every single day. But there's coming a day where there will be no more painful memories, no more regrets. There'll be no more baggage. There'll be no more struggle. There'll be no more broken hearts. Heaven will be a place where all of our inner longings will be fulfilled and we will see Jesus face to face. I'll never forget when we first started the church. We had a family in the church whose daughter got cancer. She was 10 years old when she got cancer. Her name was Heather, Heather Carswell. And um, the church just rallied around that family. We were a small congregation, so that was really the focus of our prayers. And, and Heather went off to the University of Florida Hospital to uh, get a, a cutting edge bone marrow transplant back then. And you know what? She went into remission. We rejoiced. And for two years, she lived in remission. But then when she was 12 years old, it was like that cancer came back and it came back with a vengeance. I'll never forget the day. It was June 28, 1990. My phone rang at 3.25 in the morning. And I answered the phone and Cheryl said, Pastor Marty, Heather just died. 
I said, Cheryl, I am so sorry to hear this. And she said, let me tell you what happened. And so she was a little restless and, and she drifted off and then she woke up and she needed to go to the restroom and I took her to the restroom and she came back and laid down and she drifted off and she came back and she said, mom, mom, it's so beautiful there. It's so beautiful. There's so many children. And they have swings. And Heather and Cheryl said, Heather said, I know, I know, I know. Because see, the doctors had told Cheryl, said that when it comes to the end, that she will start hallucinating. And she said, no, mama. She said, I saw Jesus there and I want to go. Can I go? And Cheryl said, yes, Heather, you can go. And Heather rolled over and died. I'll tell you, that story uh, has been with me because in that moment, that little 12-year-old girl gave me a glimpse of what heaven may be like. She said, it is so beautiful, had a lot of children, and there were swings. But most of all, she said, Jesus is there. I know I want to go to heaven one day. And I want you to go too. And the Bible gives us a God's plan of how we can get there. We can get into heaven through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today I want to lead you into a prayer so that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. You can be confident that Jesus is here. You can be confident that you are saved. But it calls a, for a step of faith. Today is your day. And I know that you could be watching a lot of other things right now, but God has placed you in front of this screen for this moment. Today is your day. Today is your day to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are not watching this service by accident, but I sincerely believe that God has you here at this moment, and He's calling you to Him. He is knocking on your heart's door. The question is, will you open that door and welcome Him in to your life? I want you to do that. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'll pray this uh, phrase by phrase so that, uh, that we can pray this together. Because I realize that sometimes, for some, prayer is, um, it is not something that you do a lot. And so I just want to help you to get connected with God. So are you ready? I want to speak to the, those of you that you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Today is your day. Now, I realize there are some of you watching today that you've made that decision years ago, but for whatever reason, you've wandered from your commitment, you've wandered from your faith, and today the Lord is speaking to you. He's calling you to rededicate and recommit your life to Him. This is your moment to do that. So you ready? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for uh, those watching this broadcast today.
because I realize that your presence and your spirit has already been at work during this message and that you brought us up to this point that this is the moment that people watching this service, people are going to be saved. They're going to give their life to Christ. Now, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. Come into my heart and fill me with your spirit. I give you my life today, Lord. Just say that. God, I give you my life. Take me. Fill me with your presence. I receive this. Say that. I receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to, if you're in watching Facebook Live, I want you to click the um, raise hand button and I want you to uh, fill out the connect card. Or maybe go to our website and you can find a connect card on our website at stevenscreekchurch.com. And I want you to let us know and we want to send you some information that will help you take your next step toward the Lord. Now we've got a special treat today. Uh, just in a few minutes, I've asked uh, Todd and his team to sing one of my favorite songs, Go Rest High on That Mountain. I was thinking about heaven and I was just thinking about that song and how that song has encouraged so many people through the years. So I asked Todd and his team to come around and do that. So you don't want to leave church early. Okay? So don't leave church early. But you to stay for the song. You'll really enjoy it. But one more thing, as we transition in this service, I, I just want to say as pastor of Stevens Creek Church, I love you and Patty and I are just so honored to continue to serve Christ in this church. And we're not meeting in the physical building this week, but I'm telling you the ministries of Stevens Creek Church is going um, throughout this community and beyond. And you've heard me say this before, it takes money to do ministry and you are such a generous church, but I'm asking you to step out and bring the tithe and uh, give an offering to the Lord's work today. You can click on the button right here on the website. It says give, and you can give digitally or you can drop it in the mail. We appreciate your support and we, uh, we rely on that support. It's all of us working together to see the ministries of Stevens Creek uh, move forward. I am excited uh, because I know that we're closer to having public meetings uh, than we have been. And we're just waiting for that moment for the governor to say it's okay. But until that time, I want you to be back next week. And better yet, to, um, I want you to join us for our daily devotional tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So enjoy this song. Be blessed today as you give. Look forward to seeing you soon.
face the devil You were no stranger to the rain So go rest high on that mountain Sun, your work on earth is done Go to heaven, shout it Love for the fire Gathered round your grave to breathe. I wish I could see the angels' faces when they hear your sweet voice sing. So go. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.